Amen. All right. I already told you where we're going. So let's go again. First Kings chapter number 17. Let's go to the Old Testament today and dig out a beauty, right? Um, we've been doing a story time series. I guess we can count this as part of it. I don't think we'll get through this whole passage today. This passage has three different stories in one, right? So this is like if you went to the store and you bought a book, you're actually going to get three books in one. So as we start this, you start with Isaiah, uh, or I'm sorry, Elijah making a prophecy. Then you see a widow fulfilling a, a promise of God, obedience to God. And then you see a death and resurrection. I mean, this is a really cool, if you're an adventurer in the room today, this is it, all right? First Kings chapter 17. Matter of fact, I don't know. Let's just say it this way. If you're an adventurer, the Bible really has a lot for you, right? Like what an incredible story that we get multiple times open in the Bible and just seeing God do incredible things. All right, so here it is. Let's go there. Uh, grab with me. We're gonna start reading in, in verse number one. Now, Elijah, who was from Tishbe in Gilead, told King Ahab, as surely as the Lord, the God of Israel lives, the God I see serve, there will be no dew or rain during the next few years until what? I give the word. Think about that power and authority. And I, I'm telling you this right now, we're not going to preach on this, but I believe believers, Christians have lost the authority that God has given us through the Holy Spirit and his word. I, I feel like we speak timidly instead of boldly. As a matter of fact, I, I just confess to you, that's what I wanted to do today. You know, we want to take the easy road. We want to take the road that's going to make people want to come back. We want to take the road that's going to make people want to like us. But, but in all honesty, it's the truth that sets us free. And God has given us a divine truth in his word. And that truth goes against what culture says sometimes, agree or disagree. I mean, it, it goes against me. It goes against you. It goes against my desires. And so I got to be okay with understanding that if I'm going to say that God has authority, that means that he has the right to change my mind. I don't have a right to try to change his. He has the right to invoke himself. In other words, to step into my situation and say, hey, wake up, or this is wrong, or this is the way we should. But I have no right to stand and plead my case. All right? In other words, it's like this. My ideas and my opinions, your ideas, your opinions will royally mess us up, right? In that the Proverbs, there's a way that seems right to man, but it leads to destruction. It leads to death. God's ways are higher. His thoughts are higher. His imaginations are higher. The things that he's going to do, Paul wrote it this way. We're looking through a glass darkly, but one day face to face, we'll understand it all. All right. And that's in Corinthians. So understand this. As we go into this passage, Elijah's saying, hey, it's not going to rain until I say so. Now, what he is saying is not because I'm Elijah. He's saying, because I believe in God and God has said so. And I speak on his behalf. I mean, I believe believers should be able to stand up today and say, Jesus is coming and coming soon. Not because I say so, because I'm the child of God and I speak on his behalf. I, I believe we should look into situations where like at the end of the chapter where the little boy of the widow dies and she goes to Elijah and she says, did God really put me through this? Did he really put oil in my barrel? Did he really give me something to eat through this season only to have my son die? And Elijah goes up and puts him on his bed and three times lays out over him and asks God to revive him and then life comes back to the body. I mean, I believe we have the authority to look at someone who is dead in trespass of sin and say, you who are dead can be quick, quickly made, quickened, brought back to life immediately because God is a really good source of getting that heart beating the right way again. You know, and so I understand that sometimes we look at situations and we're like, that's just terrible. And I think we need to be looking at situations and saying, here comes God. Sometimes we look at, at, at the circumstances around us and say, that's out of control. And we should be saying, my God's able. He can. He can do the impossible. So let's keep going. Let's keep reading. It, it says this in verse number two. Uh, the Lord, uh, then the Lord said to Elijah, go to the east and hide in Kareth Brook, or by this, this brook here, near where it ends and enters the Jordan River. Drink from the brook and eat what the ravens bring you. I got this underlined in my Bible. For I have commanded them to bring you food. I actually wrote a note. God has complete control. You believe that today? It's not just control over your life. It's not just control over your plan. He has complete control over the universe. And he's saying, hey, the, the ravens are going to bring you food because I, I said so. I commanded this to be so. And so I got to understand that if, if, if God can tell a bird to bring a lunch, then literally my trust in him should grow. And I should believe that 
God knows my circumstances, sees where I am, knows what I'm going through, has a plan and will provide and will carry out his plan and purpose as long as I'm obedient doing what God wants us to do. So the reality is we, we, we've got to bring about some things in our lives and we're going to look at that today as we go into this. So Elijah, verse number five, he, he did as the Lord told him, please circle that. He did exactly what God told him to do. Then look at this. He camped beside the, the, the Kareth Brook east of the Jordan. The ravens brought him bread and meat each morning and evening, and he drank from the brook. What a great story till verse number seven. But after a while, the brook dried up. Now, have you ever been in this situation where you believe you're following God and trusting God and doing what God wants you to do, and then all of a sudden, it dries up? And you're sitting there and you're thinking, wait a minute, like, I thought this was what you wanted me to do. And somehow in this illusion in my mind, I think that if I'm obedient to God, that it's always going to be easy and clear. That the signs are going to be everywhere. I was telling Garrett today, well, it would be easy if the end time signs were on one billboard that we could look at. But the Bible kind of shows us that they're a little bit of everywhere. They're actually in a global spectrum. They're not just in one area. And so it's kind of hard to find all of them and see all of them because they're all around us. Would you agree? Say yes or no to that. Sometimes the plan that God has for my life is hard for me to see, hard for me to understand. I'll read his word. I'll get this big oomph of, yes, let's go. Then I'll start going and the, the brook that I'm going to dries up. And I'm like, God, wait a minute. You told me to wait here. You told me to hide here. So if we're gonna, we're gonna title this today, why don't we call this a dry season when things get difficult? All right, and so how many of you would be honest in your life and say, while doing the right thing, your life has gotten difficult? Challenge, how many of you have been through that? All right, can I tell you this? Doing the right thing will bring more difficulty than doing the wrong thing. All right, I firmly believe that. Satan will leave you alone if you're on the path to destruction. He'll just keep funneling it. You're a fire that's already burning, he'll just keep throwing brands in that fire and let you go. He'll let you spiral, he'll let you die right there in it. But the moment you decide to change your life or do something different, guess what he's gonna do? He's gonna come against that. His, his legions are gonna come against you. How many of you have ever started to try to do something that changed your life towards God to find yourself fighting the devil, it feels like head on shortly after that decision? How many of you say yes to that? And by the way, if you, if you haven't said yes to that, then maybe it's time. Maybe it's time to make a change towards God and understand that while God is for you, you do have a roaring lion seeking to devour you. All right, we have an enemy coming to kill, steal, and destroy. But look at this. It says, it dried up for there was no rainfall anywhere in the land. I, I, I think this is important, and this is why I wanted to run from the sermon. Um, I know that as we look around right now, the, the one thing that's scary to preach on but needs to be preached on is, could this be? Like, could this be? Are we seeing global things taking shape that could be setting up the return of Christ? And the answer is you cannot deny right now what is going on in our world without looking towards the Bible and saying, are we seeing the setup for an antichrist to take a stage, for a mark of the beast to be ordered, for things to be a total different makeup and a world order change? And next thing you know, we're going to see a movement, not just in government, but an entire world towards a one world system. Are we seeing these things set up? And if we are seeing these things set up, then we are seeing seeing heaven set up for the return of our king, the return of our Lord, and we're seeing the end play out in front. Now, you know why it's scary to say that, and I said this last week, because nobody really knows. Nobody knows the time nor the day, so we can't sit here and say, Jesus is coming now, but I'm going to be honest, in my lifetime, and how many of you can testify to this, in your lifetime, there has been more evidence in the last two weeks of the return of Christ than we've ever seen before. Anybody agree with that in your faith walk? Yes. And if not, it might be because we don't talk about this enough. You don't really get a lot of sermons on what to look for and what to see. But I, I do believe this, and I'm going to say this very boldly. I think as a, a church, we need to be preparing Christians for what you're going to go through. And this Elijah story has echoed in my mind since Monday night in our grief class. And, and it has held a place, and God won't let me escape it. And here's what he's showing me, and I want you to get this too. While Elijah knew drought was coming for three years, he, he was ordered to go sit down, let ravens bring you food. You're going to drink of this brook. But while the world was going through a drought, Elijah wasn't immune. And I want you to understand this. I think sometimes as Christians, we believe that there's gonna be a difference in what the world goes through and what we go through, and that's not true. 
The reality is, is as it gets harder on the world, guess who it gets harder on to? Us. Matter of fact, I'm gonna take a step further. I believe it'll be harder on believers than it will be on the world in the end time. The unbeliever will have an easier time. Why? They'll believe lies. They'll be deceived. They'll follow things they shouldn't follow, do things they shouldn't do. But anybody that's aware of scripture will understand that there's certain things as believers that we cannot do. Now, with that, I'm gonna meddle and I'm gonna tell you something that I believe is total true. Was COVID real? Did it kill a lot of people? Yes. Was it tragic? Yes. Do we know all the ins and outs of it? No, but I do believe, and I know this to be true. This is where I almost took it offline and I told Garrett, I'm gonna take this message offline, but I really feel like we just need to be bold today. In this statement, I want you to get that as I started watching this, I, I, I remember I was about to get on a plane in a foreign country to come home and I told my wife, this is the baby, this isn't the beast. This is a practice, this isn't the end. And so all of a sudden, I've struggled with this. Anybody else ever struggled with this when you're reading the Bible and it says that in the end times, you will not be able to buy, sell, or trade without the mark of the beast. How many of you have ever thought to yourself, that would be very hard to pull off? to get everybody to believe that you have to have something or, or have to be a part of something to be order, able to go to the grocery store, to be able to do anything. And in my mind, I thought that would, that would never happen. There were other parts of the scriptures that would say, every eye will see, everybody will know that these things are taking place. There'll be an assassination three days later, that person will get up and everybody in the world will watch that person, the Antichrist, raise back up. And that's where he'll start declaring himself the Messiah. He'll start declaring himself Jesus. I'm paraphrasing a lot of prophecy here. And, and I used to sit there and think, there's no way everybody in the world is gonna know this and then September 11th happened. And people in tribes of Africa saw images of two towers smoking falling to the ground. There's probably not a person in the world that hasn't heard of, seen, or saw some type of coverage of the attack that happened in America on 9-11. And I, I don't know, do y'all remember? I was a senior in high school. Uh, it's still young for some of you, uh, old for some others. I was a senior in high school. I remember being glued to the TV, watching those things as the pillars of smoke were coming out. And then those clouds just rushed downtown New York. How many of you remember those moments? How many of you can remember? How many of you were the same? glued to a TV, I would say a radio, but no, you were on the TV. The internet captured it and people saw it. Then I realized, wow, wait a minute. We're very easily able to broadcast things all over the place. And then all of a sudden I started hearing things. You're not gonna be able to travel. You're not gonna be able to go into places unless you have vaccine. Now, I'm not here to talk about your vaccine, whether we're pro or against. You pray, you be in your belief. We're not gonna tear that down. But I look at that and while it wasn't the total, and I'm not saying it definitely wasn't the mark of the beast, it definitely set up a practice for being able to control what people are able to do based on what they surrender to. Are you following this? Last week, the Pope got on the media and said that he would love to be the one that, that ushers in the peace talks for the Middle East. In the, in the end times, the Bible says there will be a religious leader that ushers in the Antichrist. And I'm just gonna be honest. And you say, are you saying the Pope's that? I don't know, but I do know that there's no other religious leader with the authority or the pomp and the circumstance that that dude has. And when he all of a sudden steps in and says, let's bring peace to the Middle East, I told you last week, let's watch for the talks of peace because in the end, there will be a peace treaty. There will be a time of cease. There will be ceasefires all over the world. These things are gonna happen and we are gonna set up for what we're calling the tribulation three and a half years of peace and then total three and a half years of chaos. How many of you are still with me so far? All right, are we too deep? All right, so years of study condensed into like five minute segment is very difficult. All of a sudden you start seeing these things and you're saying, are you saying COVID? No, I'm not. Are you saying the vaccine is? No, I'm not saying any of those things. But what I am saying is now we can see how it is possible. Now we can see how we can usher in something and shut down a globe. Now we can see how we can bring even the powerful people to their knees and into hiding. Now we see how we can equalize the entire world, every nation at the same time be totally shut down and controlled by one organization that's telling everybody, CDC, what to do. Are you following? And as I see that, I'm like, oh, okay, that's a little bit creepy. Anybody wanna join me in that? That's a little bit freaky. Yeah, but that's a little bit exciting because I know, I know, I know, I know, I know that God said these things are gonna happen. These things are gonna come to pass. 
We have never lived in a society to where we have the technologies, the media, the outlets, and the availability to do the things necessary to see an antichrist rise into position, take over the world, and people follow. Which leads me to point number one. We need to toughen up. Christians need to get ready. We need to know what we need to say no to. And I'm telling you right now, in the palm of the hand or in the forehead, if it's required, get out. If you gotta have it, go. You know why? Because the Bible's very specific. If these things happen, it is a no. You got it? Yeah, yeah, booty, knees, no, that's not. Hand, forehead, very clearly defined. And when we see those things, we gotta know, we gotta be tough and we gotta be able to say, even if I have to sit by a brook that's dried up, I will sit by a dried up brook with God before I go and stand with the enemy. I will less, less be invested in what the world's saying needs to be done and I'll be totally invested what God has told me to do. Let it be said of Christians at Grace Community Church that we will do exactly like the Lord has said and we will camp by the brook he has called us to. You know what the brook is in our lives? And I think this is a total symbol. You actually see Elijah's request to the lady has really popped off the page for me. When he gets there, he says, can you get me a small cup of water? And as she goes, he screams out, and a slice of bread too. And I thought to myself, thank you, God. Water in the Bible is symbolic of the Holy Spirit and bread is Jesus Christ. And as I look at that, it's like we need a church that simply says, give me a dose of the Holy Spirit and may I stand with Jesus too. Fill me with you. Let me be who you've called me to be, but let me be tough even if my brook is dry. Let me stand firm even if everything around me is shaken. And I think today we, we really need to understand that being tough doesn't mean we, number one, lose our tenderness. Don't lose your tenderness. I mean, the Bible says be tenderhearted, right? Be forgiving, be compassionate. Matter of fact, we're supposed to inherit the fruits of the Spirit, which are all about love and service and, 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 and being gentle with other people. And we talked about gentleness last week. And, and, and that means, hey, I, I care, I comprehend, I'm, I'm trying to understand, I, I care about you, right? So we don't say be tough and that means we lose our tenderness. No, without the tenderness we have, no method of giving the gospel. The gospel is not abusive today. Will you please write that down? Jesus did not come to abuse the world. He came to save it. It's a hope message that you're loved by an almighty God, that you've been secured by the blood of Jesus Christ, set free by his sacrifice on a cross and literally given new life by his resurrection in a tomb. That message is not harsh. That message is beautiful. It says to the bold, it says to the meek, it says to the rich, it says to the poor, to the, to the person who is ugly and the person that is pretty. It says that you have value to an almighty God. May we armor up knowing that our feet have to have those shoes that are peace, right? May we know that here we are with our sword, the truth of God, the word of God, our shield, our faith in God, but our method is peace. You got it? I mean, God didn't put us in, in, in Reebok pumps. Like, hey, let's go pump up and let's get them. No, he didn't do that. He said, hey, let's be peaceful in the way that we go. All right, so being tough doesn't mean that I, I lose my tenderness. It simply means I'm ready for adversity. I'm ready knowing that the enemy's coming. Ephesians 6 says we're wrestling that enemy. I mean, it tells us through the word, Paul warns us again and again that, that we have a lion, we have a thief, we have an adversary that's in Christ, but an adversity that's in Satan. We have someone that's coming after our joy, coming after our families, coming after the love that we have in our hearts. We have that enemy. Don't be blind or dumb or unaware. Be tough. In the end, let's trust God. Let's believe. Let's not, let's not cower down. You're going to find out who believes what when what you believe is put to the test. 
All right, now in our lives, we're like, yeah, when we go through hard things, but what if we come into the day and the age that they're experiencing all over in the world uh, that we haven't experienced to the degree? I mean, the Bible's illegal in more countries than it's accepted. Uh, Christians are martyred even as we speak. Churches are bulldozed in China and other areas while we're meeting together. Some people are living in total fear. I mean, we literally have people that are being raped, beheaded, and abused just simply because they're Jewish. There's things happening in our world right now that are not just happening now. They've always been happening, but now the enemy's getting a little bolder. How many of you have noticed that? The enemy's getting a little bit more aware. What we used to say in secret, we now say on open mics. We'll stand and we'll proclaim things in hate in our nation and not care what anybody thinks. We'll, we'll, we'll side on one side heavily and we'll attack the other. I said it a few weeks ago, the church needs to wake up to words such as people that believe a certain way. And I know they're talking politics. They got to they gotta really kind of desensitize us. They got to start here and bring it down. And, 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 and what it'll do is it'll start saying people that support Republican or people that support Democrat. But eventually it'll be, and you're seeing it now, Zionist. How many of you have read that in the, in the news lately? That's the word that's circulating, talking about anybody that's of Jewish descent. All of a sudden, the news runs a headline just a few days ago saying that one of the leading rabbis in New York was uh, randomly found stabbed to death outside of her house, and nobody knows why. Okay. Okay. It's because we don't want to admit that on U.S. soil, the same hatred that's happening over in the Middle East is happening here. We don't want to call it a hate crime unless it's a color on a color. We definitely don't want to say it if it's somebody coming against Christianity or God's chosen people. We live in a world that is subliminally getting us ready for let's professionally reprogram people that believe this way. Just wait till that turns into Christianity. So understand this church, we got to be aware that when God's coming of his son gets closer, the brook gets drier. We got to be ready. Number two, look at this. And knowing that it's going to get harder and knowing that adversity is coming, I want you to write this. Please write this big. This doesn't just apply to the end times. This applies to every part of your life. Don't get desperate. I mean, don't get to a place where you're going to panic. All right, I wrote a little list of three things I want you to write down that desperate will make you do. All right, number one, desperate leads to impulsive decision-making. Agree or disagree? You get desperate, and what do you do? You grab. You say, never would I do that. When they said COVID came out, I came back to an America that had no toilet paper. I remember, because we go to jungle sides in the Philippines, my wife called me and said, any toilet paper you've taken with you, bring back. Because normally we'd leave it there. And I'm like, what do you mean? She said, there is no toilet paper anywhere here. How many of you remember that? You say, well, I never get desperate. How many of you had extra toilet paper in your house? Come on. If you don't, okay, I never get desperate. All the news has to do is say snow is coming and milk and bread disappear. <laughs> Am I right? I don't even understand how that works. Like, what are we planning to eat? You know, like milk and bread, let's put it together. I mean, people get desperate and what do they do? They start grabbing. I'll be honest with you. If you're here today and you're single, don't get desperate you might grab a frog instead of a prince. Am I right? Hey, people here that are going through hard times, don't get desperate. You might grab a beer instead of the word of God. You say, well, nowhere in the Bible does it say, no, 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 we're not talking that. You might form a habit of the world instead of forming a habit in your faith. Be careful. Desperate brings to impulsive decisions. Like, hey, do I really want to stand on this? Do I really want to say this? Do I really want to go here? Do I really want to do you? Hey, listen, if you're desperate today, stop, be still and know that he is God. Ravens are dropping off meat to Elijah. They're dropping off bread to Elijah. But the source he needs the most is now gone. The water. What is it? You can live a long time without food. You know why? Because we have blubber. Right? We have stored up. You don't have to say yes so emphatically, but it's true. All right? We have blubber. The truth is, without water, you're in trouble. It's a life-giving resource. 
It fuels your body. It fuels your blood. Matter of fact, if you're very unhealthy right now and all you're doing is drinking sodas and teas, cut it out. Just start drinking water on a regular and see the change that'll naturally happen in your life over just a week's time. I mean, it'll change your skin complexion. Hey, if you're the kid with acne, get rid of your chocolate and all your caffeine and all the bubbly stuff and just start drinking water and watch your skin actually respond. Yeah, you're saying, well, that's ridiculous. No, what I'm saying is this. Um, A lot of times we're hungry and instead of being patient and cooking a decent meal, we'll grab the fast food. And then we'll wonder why we're hungry in two hours. Why, are you with me? Desperate leads to impulsive decisions. Desperate leads to those regrets. Impulsive decisions oftentimes end in regret. Like, I wish I hadn't have done that. Wish I hadn't have said it. Shouldn't have bought it. Didn't need it. Kicking the tires. Why do we even buy these things? Marital arguments. We didn't even need it. But we got impulsive because we were desperate. Number two, when we are desperate or panicked, we're quick to believe anything. Anybody, anybody agree to that? We'll see something on the news and it's got to be real. Matter of fact, we saw that last week. That a hospital was blown up by Israel. How many of you read that headline? Only three hours later, read another headline that said, the president of the United States has reviewed the evidence and said that that's not true. But by the time we got three hours later, there were already people in the streets holding up signs ready to go. There were people bombing our embassies in Lebanon. There were people going against it. Congress people standing and saying, we shouldn't stand behind this, this Zionist nation that will bomb and kill 500 people in a hospital. Within three hours of a news break that was false, we had a world belief system that was literally causing riots in the streets. Get this, in over 15 countries. Hey, listen, desperate says, I'll believe it because I heard it. You know what Paul said? Test everything that you hear. And I like this. Hold on to what is good. Get rid of what is evil. You know, like, I'll be honest. If somebody's talking bad about you, I once heard Beth Higgs say this thing. Is it true? And how does this affect me? Like, if it's not even true, don't waste your time on it. If somebody's saying, hey, this person's this and this person's this, let the truth be the truth. The truth never fears a challenge because it is the truth and it will not change. And is this true about me? Am I really what they're saying? Am I really this? Because if you believe what everybody says about you, you're going to get desperate. You're going to make impulsive decisions. And here it is, number three, you'll be totally controlled by fear. Now, how many of you understand this? That if somebody wants total control over your life, all they have to do is freak you out get you scared. Right now, do you believe this? This is real. There are kids that literally are alive that have never seen the sun, never stepped out of their house, never been in sunlight, never experienced a warm day, never known what it is like to get vitamin D naturally. Why? Because their parents have convinced them that there are aliens or something or some kind of a disease that's outside. You say, that's not true. It literally is real that there are people that have hermited into their houses or into bunkers that will not leave. Why? Because they have been told that something is going on that would get them or kill them or take them or all these other things. And as a result of their fear, their life has now become a prison. Now, I'm going to tell you this right now. Please don't judge the circus. I don't know if they do this anymore. But evidence of this is very true every time you see an elephant. When an elephant is a baby brought into a circus, and I'm so sorry, this is going to bust the bubble, it is very abused in its training. Literally, they will tie an elephant to a stake in the middle of a field. They will put a ring around it, but they'll tie it to an ankle. They will dig the stake into the ground and tie that elephant up, and they will break the will of that elephant. Whip it, beat it, starve it, whatever it takes to get that elephant to be obedient to a master. Now, I don't know about you. Have you ever stood by an elephant? Anybody been to the Knoxville Zoo? Those things are massive and one step could literally live an impression on your life that was the last impression you ever got. They literally could take you out. A beast so fierce and ferocious that if it charges at you, you have no chance. But yet so afraid of you that something that is as peon as us in comparison, the hundreds of pounds we weigh in comparison to the thousands of pounds it weighs, and yet we can have total control over it and make it total submissive because we keep it in fear. That's why at most circuses, you see an elephant with a rope around its ankle. 
Because in its mind, it's still tied to a stake and still can be beaten because its will has been broken. You know what desperate does? It beats you down to a place where you do not believe or could not even imagine what freedom would be like. And even though you're the most ferocious animal in the building, you stay in a ring surrounded by people that are watching you for sport when at any moment you can inflict your own will and no one can stop you. Doesn't that kind of sound like Exodus where the Pharaoh looked and said, these people outnumber us and are more powerful than we are. Let's increase their workload. Let's break their will and keep them slaves. I'm telling you this right now. The church of Jesus Christ has been slave long enough to the fear of the world. To being afraid of what we should say and afraid of what we should stand on, afraid of how we should parent, afraid of how we should lead, afraid of what we should teach, afraid of how we should be. Hey, it's time to break the rope off and say I'm free in Jesus Christ and let's be bold in him because when I'm desperate, people can control me by fear. A world can be shut down by a plague. I mean, a a city can go totally Totally, I mean, how many of you remember the Boston Massacre? A city can go totally, totally silent because of two fugitives, two bombers that are on the loose. I'm telling you right now, I think the church is afraid because the enemy has freaked us out because he knows. Because of Jesus Christ, you outnumber and are more powerful than he could ever be. And if we ever knew it, Hell would have no chance. Getting that what Jesus said on this rock, I'll build my church. And the gates of hell will not what? Prevail against it. Do you really feel like we're living in the age of the church where the gates of hell are being pushed back? Or do you believe we're living in the age of the church where the gates of hell are wide open, wreaking havoc in our homes, wreaking havoc in our communities? Toughen up, don't get desperate. Desperate makes you lose your mind. Desperate makes you lose your sobriety and it gives control to others. This is the hardest thing to overcome in abuse. Um, I actually sat down with someone this week, uh, this past week, and we were talking about abuse and their situation. And, 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 and I'm, I'm going to tell you this. I, I lived it and I saw it. I don't want to go into the detail because we're going we're gonna to continue to try to live towards honor of my parents. But I know I saw so many times that mindset of you could not survive without me. I make the money. What are you going to do? How are you going to eat? How are you going to live? Where are you going to have a house? House is in my name. I heard all these things in my home. Gasket taken out of the vehicle, air let out of the tires, tires sliced, telephones when they were actually on the walls, ripped out of the walls and taken when the person was gone. And it leads the abuse victim to believe that they are totally in a dependent, codependent relationship on the abuser. And what happens, and this is what, if you've never been here, you don't understand, so keep your mouth shut when somebody's going through it. What happens is when that person gets the bravery to finally step out into freedom, they get out into freedom and immediately fear comes in and makes them believe that they have to go back. And the next thing you know, you start hearing things like, well, he's really a good guy. She's really a good guy. If they're not drinking, if they're not doing this, they're really good people. Like they only hit me once, but I know that they can change. And in their heart, they feel like they have to go back. Why? Their will has been broken and they're totally controlled by the domineering of that person. How many of you can at least wrap your mind around that and understand it? And that's why we got to understand that our our mission in them is not to convince them that that person that's abusing them is bad. Our mission in them is to restore the value of God in their life and help them to realize who they are in Christ so that they outgrow the need of being controlled by another to where they realize what life and freedom actually is. At some point, the church has to step into desperate situations with some truth, which leads us to point number three. We must Trust God. All right, now I want you to look at this. The brook dries up, so in verse number eight, the Lord says to Elijah, I I circled these two words. Go and live. Go and live. But the brook's dry. Go. Don't sit by a brook hoping for water and something that's dried up. Get on the move. Don't sit tired. Let's stop surrendering our homes, our children, freaking out over what's happening in our nation. Let's go. Let's move. Hey, they're coming after our children. Okay, let's go. Let's do something. And let's not panic and hide. Let's live. 
I think we got too many people that are saying, hey, it's so bad that I'm scared that I'm stuck and dead. No, no, go and live. God has called his church today to say this. Don't get stuck at the rivers provided by the world. Just know that if God can command the sparrow to bring you food, he can meet you wherever you are. Parent in a difficult parent season. Love in a difficult love season. Hang in there when that marriage is hard. Go to church even when you're tired from your 70-hour work week. Give to God even when the money's tight. Do what you're supposed to do even if nobody else is doing it. Love the Lord. Serve the Lord. Live for the Lord even if nobody else is around. We've decided to follow Jesus. Let's go. Let's live. He says, hey, go and live. Go to the village of Zarephath near the city of Sidon. I love this. I've instructed a widow there to feed you. You know what I love about that verse is the widow didn't know it yet. Have you ever thought of that? Like, cause when Elijah says in the next few verses, give me something to eat. She's like, dude, I'm picking up sticks cause I'm about to feed my son. And we're going to die. I love this. This is something God said to me. He's already prepared the hearts of the people that will help even if they don't know it yet. That's provision. That's never stood out for me before. But God has already opened the doors and there are people behind those doors that are going to open them for you and they don't even know it yet. And here's the other reality I got. They will not know it until you show up. They will not know it until you have the faith to step out. There are people all around this church and this community who, whose hearts have been prepared to receive Jesus Christ. They just don't know it yet. And it's time for some prophets. It's time for some people of God to show up at the door so that what God has ordered in their heart can actually be done. So it can come true. There's addicts in the room that have been set free. They just don't know it yet. And maybe today God brought you to grace so that we can stand and say, we do not see addicts here. We see possibilities of Jesus Christ here. And maybe it'll rattle your heart and let you know that you can be more more than everything any judge or thing. Now, we're not against the judges. We're not against the police. They're doing their job. They're trying to correct your life. But maybe God put them in your path to bring you to this path, to stand in this place so that we can stand in front of you and let the grace of God and mercy of God rain down on you so that the love of God can consume you and what you did not know God wanted to do could happen and the vessel you thought was empty, he can fill again. And you may be picking up sticks on your last way out. Hey, he comes in. Can we just read it? Y'all still with me, church? This is the biggest workout I've had all week. Here it is. Let's go. So he went. And as he arrived at the gates of the village, he saw the widow gathering sticks and he asked her, would you please bring me a little water in a cup? As she was going to get it, he called to her, bring me a bite of bread too. She said, I swear by the Lord, your God. Ooh, I like that. Matter of fact, you know why I like that? Because the very last verse says of this chapter, now I know for sure that you are a man of God and that the Lord speaks through you. It's no longer your relationship with God. It's now her relationship with God. There's a change. He says, I, 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 don't, have, I don't have a single piece of bread in the house. And I have only a handful of flour left in the jar and a little cooking oil in the bottom of a jug. I was just gathering a few sticks to cook this last meal and then my son and I will die. If that is not giving us a symbol of the heartbeat of our world right now and how people feel in an economy where they can't pay their bills, an economy where they don't know where their next meal is coming from, in an economy where they can work a 40, 50 hour week and still not be able to put enough gas in the car to get to work the next week. If that is not the heartbeat that we hear echoing, if you don't believe it, come sit in our church office and watch the people roll through that food pantry. Listen to the stories and answer the phone of the calls of desperations that we get on a daily basis. Go to the greenhouse and hang out with the now five guys there. Come to the grace house and meet the three women there. 
and know that all around us, people are in need. And without the hope of Jesus Christ, they believe their abilities are running out. Credit cards are maxed over a trillion dollars for the first time in history. People are getting home equity lines of credit in a market where the interest rates are 8% higher on a home equity line because their credit cards are maxed. Now they're putting it on their homes. And I literally sat where they said foreclosures are coming, foreclosures are coming. Desperation is everywhere. It is all around us. You know what I hear America saying? We're just getting our few last sticks together. We're going to sink. And I believe that if the children of God were tough and we believed in God, we could step into situations that were desperate to declare the power of God and see a life totally change, beliefs totally change as we see God do miracles. But I think we are too puny to speak God's word boldly. I think at some point we got to toughen up. We got to get real. And, and before you get offended at the last statement, I almost was that person this morning, scared to stand and proclaim God's word to you who literally came to hear it. And if I'm that scared, this is the conviction of my life. If I'm scared to be bold in the house of God, I'll never have boldness in the streets. And at some point, I've got to realize that God has not brought us here to be desperate and to panic, but to stand as Elijah did. So he said to her, look at this. He said, don't be afraid. I like these next two words. I got them circled. Go ahead and do it. Go do it. You say, well, I don't know what to do next. Ready? Just do the next right thing that God has called you to do. You say, I can't pay my bills today. I want to pout. Get up and go to work. But I don't make enough at work to pay my bills. Go to work. You know what I've learned? A lot of times we're out of position. Now, how many of you, um, let's use basketball today because we don't want to talk about football. Let's talk basketball. Ready? How many of you have ever heard watching a basketball game, they say, he's just out of position? She's just out of position. The team was able to score that play or make that dunk or that pass because this defender was out of position. You know, I hear that often. Every game you watch, that is like, it's a line in every broadcast. You will hear it at some point when a touchdown is scored. This person was out of position. And one person out of position can lead to devastation. Right? Are you with me? How many of you follow so far? Say yes, talk to me. All right, here it is. I believe today that a lot of times in our lives, God has a miracle and a blessing for us, but we get out of position. We say, I need to pay my bills, but I am sad and I'm scared and I'm depressed. It's giving me a migraine. I'm staying home. And yet God was sending somebody to your workplace today. Well, I don't know what to do. You know how many times I get this, Pastor Josh, I want to come to church, but my heart's just too heavy. Well, what's going on? They'll tell me and I'll be like, well, that's what we preached on this Sunday. You were out of position. God had the answer for you. I've told you the story. I won't lag with it of the person who showed up for church, sat in the back row of church and literally, literally called me later that afternoon. I preached the whole sermon, got done and God all of a sudden told me to tell my attempted suicide story. And I told that story having nothing to do with my sermon and literally got a phone call later of a man who said, I literally came to church today because I got up today and was gonna blow my brains out. But God told me to go one more time. He said, I went to church and every bit of your sermon, I sat there and thought, see God, you got nothing for me. See God, nothing for me. And then all of a sudden at the end, out of nowhere, you tell this story about the time you wanted to take your life. And yet you heard God say, I have a purpose for you. I have a purpose for you. I have a purpose for you. And he said, when you you said that it shook me and I knew that the reason I was there is to hear that God had a purpose for my life you know what happened he wanted to do this but he sewed up he put himself in position to actually get help I'll be honest with you right now if I'm drowning in the ocean and you're close you're going to hear about it I'm going to be screaming with everything left in me if I see a snake today you're going to hear about it you're going to hear with every breath in my lungs. I don't even know if it's going to come out in a man voice or a high, squeaky little 14-year-old boy. It's going to come out. You're going to hear a help. There's going to be an SOS. There's going to be something. Why? Because I know that there's certain things in life I can't do. Now, here's the problem. A lot of us are drowning and we're not telling anybody. A lot of us are hurting and we're not saying anything. Matter of fact, let's be honest, most of the world has been trained more how to wear a mask than deal with problems. Most of us have been taught how to rub dirt in it, get a good infection, and pretend we're good. 
We're taught to get up and shake it off. We're taught to take an ibuprofen for a broken ankle and get back in there. And, and hey, hey, at some point we got to understand there's times in my life that I just need God's touch. I need healing. I need, I need forgiveness. I need cleansing. I need a shower. Anybody else in the room say, I got weaknesses. Anybody else in the say, I got struggles. And I'm telling you now, you will get very bitter at everybody that gets help when you're the person sitting there and not saying anything and everybody else around you is getting the attention. What is it they say? The squeaky gear gets the what? Gets the grease, gets the oil. I just heard that one for the first time like a month ago. That sounds pretty cool saying it, right? The truth is this. Paul said, hey, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. And tell God what? Come on now. Tell God what? Exactly what you need. God doesn't need to hear your heavenly father when your heart is broken to activate towards you. You, you, you don't have to be in church with a hand raised or in an altar with a head bowed. You know, I once had a little kid come up to me and say, why do we bow our heads and close our eyes when we should be looking up at Jesus? I was like, that's a really good statement. You know, we do it out of reverence. I get it. And we taught, hey, you're trying to, you blah, blah, blah. And then I'm like, what am I trying to explain here? Am I trying to explain why you should be like me? Or am I just saying, hey, son, have that faith. Just keep your eyes on Jesus. No matter what, just keep your eyes on Jesus. I mean, when, when they were getting bit by serpents in, 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 uh, after they came out of Egypt and they were in the wilderness, they, the, the Bible didn't say that God told Moses to give them the decree to stop and pray about it when the viper bit them. No, what did the Bible say that they were supposed to do? To, to take a post and to get a snake and, and make a snake around the post and stick it on a hill and anybody that would look to the post would be healed. You know what the post was a symbol of? Jesus Christ. You know what the, I love it. Somebody asked me, why didn't they put a lamb on it? And I literally thought about that for years. And then all of a sudden God gave me this. They didn't stick the lamb on the cross so that the, the lamb would be killed. They put the lamb on the cross so the serpent would get killed. And so when they put the serpent on the post, it meant the venom running through your vein from the serpent in the camp was defeated by what Jesus Christ did in slaying the prophet. And Paul wrote it this way in Colossians that he took the record of wrongs, nailed it to the cross, he publicly shamed the enemy and stripped him of his power. Understand that our lamb went to a tree, but only the serpent stayed there. Isn't that a good word? And then all of a sudden we need to look at people and say, hey, get your eyes on Jesus. Let's go. Build your trust in him. You have a champion today, church, not a defeated conqueror. No. Not a, not a I mean, a matter of fact, on the story of Jesus, there is no the end. It's forever going to be going. And so at some point, we got to go and live and tell others to go ahead and do. Just like God has said. Go do just what you said you were going to do. You know, I like that. You're building up sticks. You're going you're gonna to cook. Go do it. Okay, right now, you think you need your drugs. Okay, go. But before you do, give me something. Before you leave this conversation, tell me something. Do you believe in God? Before you leave this auditorium, tell me something. Do you have Jesus as Savior and Lord in your life? You say, that's not what he's asking. That's exactly what he's asking her to do. Go do what you think you need to do. But before you do, can you have just a little bit of faith? Before you do, can you just make a decision? Before you prepare your last meal, give me a little bit of bread. Just give me a little bit of testimony. Just give me a little bit of Jesus. Why? Because the faith of the size of a grain of a mustard seed is all it takes to move a mountain. I don't need you to believe in so much that you give me the entire meal. Okay, that's the way you feel like you need to live your life. Go ahead, but before you do, let me ask you about Jesus. Can you just believe this much? And give me just a little. And isn't it amazing? Can anybody else give a testimony to this? That every time you've given God a little, he's given you way more in return. Every time you believe just announced, God did way more than you thought he could do. 
Where's my testimony of those who have been delivered today? Let's get a hand in the air praising God for what he's done, right? Hey, where's the people who are saved, bought by the precious blood of Jesus Christ, adopted into the family of God, no longer an orphan, name written in an eternal book that's found in heaven, and one day we will live, rule, and reign with him forever. Let's get a shout for that one today. Isn't God good? Amen. Hey, where's the people today whose marriages should have been over, but they ain't? Let's see where you at. Here's the people today who you were the child that your mom and dad were praying for or a grandma was praying for and thought you would never change. But here you are, fully clothed in righteousness, standing in the presence of God because God has done a work. Where you at, church? You got to be here somewhere. And at some point, the church needs to understand that I'm not here to change your life. But just tell me a little bit about Jesus before you go. Just tell me a little bit about what you believe. Because I promise you this, if you have no faith, Goliath will put you in the trenches, but a little faith, you'll stand in front of him and you'll see him fall. If you have no faith, you run from Jericho and the giants are too big and the walls are too big. We gotta believe that when the 12 spies came in, 10 came out talking about Jericho. But aren't you glad about the Joshua's and the Caleb's? And I don't think it's any accident in the Bible that the same Joshua who saw Jericho and said, let's take it, is the one that God gave the ability to walk around it and watch it fall. I'm gonna tell you this right now. That wall may not fall today, but I believe it will. Hey, listen, the world may not get better, but I believe God's coming. I believe Jesus is taking us home. And if I believe that, we can face some adversity. We can live in confidence instead of panic. And the confidence doesn't come from who we are. There's a church in Illinois that had shirts made, and I love it, that say, Godfidence, that I just believe in what God can do when I don't believe in myself. I believe in what God's possibilities are when I can't see the possibilities around me. I stand here today, not because I have always lived in the abundance of God. I've lived in the abundance of flesh. I've lived in the abundance of myself. And I have found the bottom of the pit that that leads to. But at the bottom of the pit, the rock's still Jesus. And I found that he loved me, cared for me, brought me out. We don't stand testifying of who we are. We stand testifying of who he is. I'm not gonna give you a story that I don't believe. I'm giving you a story that I've lived and seen. And today we're gonna give this truth. We're gonna proclaim this truth that the end may be coming, which simply means we're going home. And at some point, we got to understand that at the word of God, the drought ends. At the word of God, just a few minutes, a little bit longer, Elijah says, let it rain. And what happened? He said, I went to the, high, the top of the hill. And what's he see? A hand the size, uh, a cloud the size of a hand. And from it came a torrential downpour. I believe today that the worse the world gets, the closer to Jesus we are. And I think it's time for church to get bold, get tough, don't get desperate, and trust God. So let me give you how you do this. Ready? Three things. You study the word of God. God said, go to the brook. God said, go to the widow. You know the word of God so that when you get to the brook, you know you're where you need to be. Now, is the raven there when you get there? Probably not. But you know where you need to be. And God has said he commanded the ravens. So you're just sitting there waiting on a bird. Do you know where the widow's going to be? Isn't it amazing that as you come into town, you see the widow that God told you about? How cool is that? You know it. And then here it is. Ready? You live it. You apply it. How do I trust him? By studying, knowing, and applying his word. All the while believing. He commands the ravens. Now, I don't know if you know what a raven represents in our world. Anybody? A bluebird represents what? Peace. Prosperity. A raven represents death. You're going to miss something here if you're not careful. Nothing's ever on accident. I mean, God could have used an eagle. How powerful is that? You can mount up on eagle's wings and soar. God could have used all these things, but he used a representation of death to bring life. And I believe this totally true. When you finally die to you, you find life in him. I'm telling you right now, we need a believer today that says, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. 
I will fear no evil. Why? Because you're with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Hey, it's going to get harder. And it's amazing that we can say that with a smile on our face because we know God is faithful. Get tough, church. Get dug in. Otherwise, you'll be desperate. But let's trust God. And I promise you, in Jesus' name, we can declare it to be so. One day, we will stand in a place with him where we'll never experience anything that we have experienced here. Death, sorrow, separation, hurt, cheating, lying, loss. Oh, it'll be gone. I don't know about you. I'm ready to go home. But until he takes us home, let's go reach the widow. He's prepared the heart. She doesn't know you're coming. But when you leave here, walk out with the authority of God and just say, tell me a little bit about Jesus. Before you go, just give me the bread first, just a little bread first. And watch God revive a nation. Here's one thing that I firmly believe, that in the end times, there will be a revival and I plan to be a part of it. Anybody else say yes to that? I plan to see it. I want to be a part of it. And I pray you do too. So let's bow your heads and close your eyes. If today you're following God and believers baptism, I want you to go get ready now, okay? You'll meet me over here on piano side of the stage. Go get ready now. But if you're here today and you've never given your heart to Jesus Christ, I'm gonna ask you, before you go cook that meal, can you give me a little bread first? Is there anybody here, before you go live the rest of your life, if you've never given your heart to Jesus Christ, it's as simple as this. If you confess with your mouth, he's the Lord, meaning you believe in the total authority God has given him, he is God's son and God who died for you, was buried and three days later rose again. If you believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. For with a heart, we believe, right? We're made right. But with a mouth, confession is made known to salvation. The Bible says in Romans 10, 13, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord. Anybody finish that with me? Ready? Here we go. Shall be saved. There's no condition to that. There's no, you gotta be this and you gotta look this way, smell this way, act this way. You gotta get clean first. God knows you can't get clean. That's why he gave his son. He knows you can't wash the stains off. That's why he's not interested in washing them. He's gonna cover them in the blood of Jesus Christ so that they cannot be seen. Stop scrubbing the walls of your heart and let God remodel it. Let him repaint it and make you right. And if today you've never accepted Christ as your savior from the seat you sit in, would you surrender your heart and confess him as Lord? It can be as simple as Jesus, I give you my heart. I'm in need of a savior. You're the Lord of my life. And we're gonna invite you to that right now. Is there anybody here that would say, I'm gonna give him my vessel knowing he's gonna put his oil inside of me. If that is you today, would you take a moment, give your heart to Christ, and then can we celebrate it publicly? I'm going to come back to you in a second. How many of you are here today, and you know for sure, without a shadow of a doubt, you have given your life to Christ? Would you slip your hand up? I know it. I know I'm saved. No ifs, ands, buts about it. I have given my life to Christ. Would you, would you just celebrate that in Jesus' name? Would you give him a thank you? He deserves it. Just give him a thank you with a hand in the air. Thank you, God, for saving me. Amen. But how many of you today would be honest and say that you've experienced some dry seasons, maybe some brooks are drying up in your life right now, and you see that you're going through a valley of a little bit of unknown. Anybody like that with your hand in the air? All right, okay, all right, there's many, all right. How many of you today would say, I haven't been as bold as I need to be as a believer? Would you slip your hand up? How many of you would say your faith is on the back burner while the world's problems are right in front of your face and everything you're going through is screaming, but your faith has been put behind you? Would you slip your hand up in the air? Join me. I'm going to slip my hand up and say, hey, God, help my unbelief, right? Anybody else like that? All right, amen. How many of you today would be in agreement that if we're reading the word of God, we could be seeing signs of the time. Anybody agree with that today? Slip your hand up in the air. How many of you with the hand in the air would say, God, make me a vessel, a prophet, a testimony of your truth to a lost and dying world. The hearts that you're preparing, God, I'm coming for them. I'm going to them. Open my eyes to the brooks I need to go to or the cities that you've called me to. Show me the widows. Show me the orphans. Show me the lost. Show me the hurting. And in Jesus' name, I will go and live your truth in front of them. If that's you, slip a hand to heaven and say, here I am, God. Here I am, use me. If the hands in the air mean it, revival will not be far behind. A change will not be far behind. 
in Jesus' name. Let's go back to that first question. Is there anybody here today that would say, today's the day that I'm trusting Jesus as my Savior and giving in my heart? I'm going to look around, so keep your hand in the air. I'll acknowledge it. Anybody upstairs say, today's the day I'm giving Jesus my heart. I'm going to look real quick, slip it up. All right, amen. You can take that hand down. God bless you. All right, what about on the floor? Anybody, today's the day I'm giving Jesus my heart. Anybody at all? All right, amen. God bless you. Amen. God bless you. All right, now here's the thing. I believe that one of the steps you take is boldness is confessing to a crowd that you're a believer. If you're ashamed before the men, he's ashamed before the Father. Amen? So if that is you, you just gave Jesus your heart, I'm gonna ask you, with everybody opening their eyes, would you just stand to your feet right where they are so we know how to pray for you. Just stand to your feet right where you are. Here they are, here they are. Here's two here. There's one here. All right, nope. That's David. All right, there's that. Amen. Look, look, look. Okay, now how cool is that, that people are supportive of you? What's really even more cool is there's a party in heaven right now that the angels don't understand. The Bible says there's joy in the presence of the angels. I, I just kind of believe Jesus is not spiritual and religious when it comes to seeing a child come home. I believe he goes nuts, and I think heaven right now is celebrating you, and we are thankful for you. But the reason I have you stand is confession. Man, make it known Jesus is Lord of my life. And also accountability. It's now our turn as a church to surround them, to stand with them, and to, and to celebrate their growth and to walk with them in growth. So I challenge some of you to get to them, introduce yourself, get a phone number before we leave here today. God bless you. Let's celebrate that one more time, man. God bless. Amen. <laughs>